Our study this morning will be Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 through 8. We'll be looking at the closing exhortations. This is part two of our series of looking at the uh, exhortation that the writer of Hebrews give the Hebrew believers to close out uh, this letter. These exhortations are built upon the preeminence of Jesus Christ. Uh, Hebrews is all about Christ and his supremacy and his preeminence. And if Christ is who he says he is, and if we believe that, that should impact the way we live our lives. And this is the and this is what the author is getting at. He's getting he's he's urging them, giving them uh, uh, admonitions and exhortating uh, exhortations to live to Christ in light of who Christ is. And so look with me at uh, Hebrews. And just for context, I want to start reading back at chapter 12, verse 28. And I'll read forward to our text Hebrews chapter 28 I want to start there and I'm reading remember this is God's word God's holy word let us give attention to God's word verse 28 of chapter 12 therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is God's word. Let's give heed to God's holy word. As you can see from uh, our reading, the writer has dealt with these believers and their relationship with God. They are to be grateful for Uh, The kingdom in which God has uh, saved them in, which is the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Uh, He has dealt with their relationship with one another, how they're to to relate to one another, how they're to relate to strangers who are believers. And now in our text, he turns his attention to the relationship of this community of faith to his leaders, to to his past leaders. He's going to focus on their present leaders in verse 17 of chapter 13. But here in our text, he's, his focus is on their past leaders, the godly leaders who followed and, and served Christ faithfully. And, and he does this to, to not, make, not to make much of the, the men, the, the godly leaders, but, but to, to help these believers to remain steadfast in their faith, uh, he, he's going to urge them to, to, to remember and imitate their godly example, their godly example. Remember, he's already given uh, the list of, of the Old Testament saints in Hebrews chapter 11, saints who by faith 
By faith, Abraham. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abel. By faith, Jacob. He's already given these believers a list of Old Testament faithful that they're to look to and receive uh, motivation from to run the Christian race. And now he 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 comes into the the their contemporary situation. He says, "You have examples among you, uh, those who have lived faithfully for Jesus Christ." And so let us look uh, together at the text, and we'll see first that they're to consider examples of spiritual leaders. Look at verse number seven. And notice that he says in verse seven, he starts out reading from the ESV as well. He says, remember your leaders or as the NASB puts it, remember those who led you. This could refer to the apostles. Uh, turn, turn back and, and keep your fingers loose. We're going to do a lot of page turning. Turn back to Hebrews chapter 2. This could refer to the apostles. In Hebrews chapter 2, we look at verses 1 through 4. Here, the writer of Hebrews, he warns them, he says, Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it for since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation it was declared at first by the lord about the lord jesus christ and it was attested to us by those who heard, talking about the apostles, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit dis, uh, uh, distributed according to his will. So this could re, the, the leadership could refer to the apostles. It could also refer to the, the original spiritual leaders of the congregation, the leaders that planted the church, uh, this church. And so it can re, it, I think perhaps it refers to both. But this congregation, this congregation of believers must think back to the past and recall those who led them and, and, and they're to keep them in their thoughts, uh, keep them in their thoughts. And, 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 and as we talk about church leaders here, as, as the author points to church leaders, who, who are leaders in the church? Who are church leaders? Well, let's, I'm going to seek to answer that from the pages of Scripture. God has ordained that the church appoint godly men. We call them elders or pastors. To, God has ordained that the church appoint godly men to govern his church. Turn to Acts. Turn to Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. Get an idea of who these these leaders, these leaders are. Acts chapter 14, verse 21. This is the uh, the Apostle Paul along with uh, Barnabas. They're going throughout Preaching the gospel. Look at verse number 21. It says, when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples. This is this is this, this was their purpose. They were going throughout from city to city, preaching the gospel, making disciples. And Luke says they returned to Lystra and to Iconum and to Antioch. Verse 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And notice what uh, what they do in verse number 23. 
They preach the gospel. They're making disciples. And that's not all they, they do in these regions. Verse 23, and when they had appointed elders. Notice elders are plural. This is a plurality of godly men. They appointed elders for them. Notice in every church, every church, the apostles appointed elders, godly men. He said with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they believed. So in organizing uh, the early church, the 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 apostles, the, the those who uh, established the churches, they they prepared the church by not only strengthening them, but giving them a proper leadership structure. These are the this is who we're talking about. And we're talking about leaders here. Remember your leaders. They are godly men ordained by God to lead the church. They're appointed. They're appointed. They're they're in every church. They're they're responsible to God. They're responsible to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Turn to Titus. Titus chapter one. Titus. Chapter one, verse five. Paul gives a similar command to Titus. Titus 1, verse 5 says this. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained in, into order and appoint plural elders in every town as I directed you. Elders, overseers, teachers. Uh, this, these, these are these are those whom God has appointed to lead the church. And turn back to Hebrews. He said, "Remember your leaders. Remember your leaders. These are men who are leading. That's this is what." Uh, pastors and elders, this is what they do. They lead the church. They are out front. They are out front. And as we'll see, they are out front setting the example of what it looks like to follow Jesus Christ. Remember your leaders. Where does these leaders come from? Turn to Ephesians chapter four, Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. It's God's will that leaders, that men be appointed to lead the church. And these men are not gifted in and of themselves. It's not, it has nothing to do with with them themselves, it has everything to do with Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. We'll read through seven, from 7 to 14. It's talking about Christ and uh, his, it says in verse 7, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Christ, it says, therefore, in verse 8, therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In verse nine and saying he ascended, what does it mean that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? This is talking about the incarnation of Jesus Christ and the uh, ascension of Jesus Christ in verse eight. And it says he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might feel all things. And what did Jesus Christ do when he ascended to heaven? Verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and for us today, the shepherds and teachers or the pastor teachers or the shepherd 
teachers or the, the, the shepherding teachers. These are gifts given by the risen Lord Jesus Christ, verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to prepare the flock for service, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the ways carried about by every wind and doctrine, by human cunning, cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Leaders are gifts bestowed on the local church by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He has gifted them. He has gifted them the role and the, the, the ability to lead the church as shepherds and as teachers. Daniel Hyde says this, quote, pastors, teachers, and elders are not life coaches who help us in our personalized goals for spiritual fitness. They are gifts given by the ascended Lord so that the whole church might become mature and less susceptible to being spiritually duped, end quote. There's a lot of people who are spiritually duped today. And one of the reasons is, is, is perhaps the men that are leading may not be men who have been appointed and called by God and gifted by the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the sole purpose of leaders, to equip the church. All leaders are subordinate to the authority of God and of Christ. Turn to Acts chapter 20. Turn back to Acts chapter 20. Leaders have no authority in themselves. Acts chapter 20, verse 27. It's talking about here, it is talking about the Apostle Paul. He is encouraging the Ephesian elders. He is encouraging them to remain steadfast. Verse number 27, he says, For uh, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God, he, he, he preached and he taught the fullness of what God had has revealed. He taught that. He declared that uh, among the people. He says, verse 28, pay uh, careful attention. Now he's talking to, he, this is the elders and this is his admonition to them. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. It's God's church. Holy Spirit has is the one who has appointed you, which he obtained with his own blood. Jesus Christ shed his blood to obtain the church. This is not your flock. This is not my flock. This is the church of God, the church of the living Lord Jesus Christ. And why does Paul say this? Verse 29, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And what are they coming to do? Verse 30, and from among you, your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away disciples to draw away the disciples after them. Paul says, therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish, even with tears. This is the flock of God, the church of God. Christ died for the flock. The Holy Spirit has given uh, the leaders of this church 
the charge to work for the glory of God. Leading the church is not about my calling. Leaders are to not promote their own agenda. We're not to be dictators who bend the people to our will. We're to serve the flock humbly. God has given us through the Holy Spirit, the responsibility and the giftedness to shepherd the flock. And it's been well said. The, the primary duty of, a, of the pastor is to establish that God is the authority, not him. You're looking for a, a church and a pastor. You're looking for one who points not to himself, but to Christ and to God. And so how does a pastor and elders, the elders establish their church? They primarily do it through the ministry of the word. Look again at verse number seven. These readers are to consider, he says, consider your leaders who spoke to you. The word of God. They're, they are men. They are godly men who spoke the word of God. These church leaders faithfully, they had faithfully communicated the word of God to them. The, the, the authority that they had as leaders in the church was tied to their teaching and, and their legacy. The, the, the legacy that the, the the legacy that they left was that they were men who spoke the word of God. That's the kind of legacy I want to be. If you remember anything about my life, remember that I proclaimed the word of God. Don't remember anything else. If you're going to put anything on my grave, put on my grave song. He proclaimed the word. That's my desire. That's my primary desire. It's not to be like. It's not to entertain. But it's to preach what thus says the Lord. This is the legacy of any godly leader. They will want to leave this kind of legacy. David Dixon noted this quote. He said, the best respect that a preacher can crave or that a people can give to a preacher either in his lifetime or after is to remember the truth of God taught by him and to make use thereof. End quote. To remember what was taught from the word of God and to put what you were taught into practice. This text is relevant to, to leaders today. The, the central focus of a pastor in preaching and teaching must be to get the people of God, to get the people of God into the living and powerful word of God. That's, that's the purpose. That's the, that should be the focus. Our, our first priority and, 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 and everything we do in ministry before God hinges on the preaching of the word. Everything that a leader does in the church hinges on the preaching of the word. This is why Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. He says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, who, who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Preach the word. That's a command. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. John Owen said this, he said, quote, the first and principal duty of a pastor is to feed the flock. 
by by diligently preaching the word. He adds, he is no pastor who doeth not feed his flock, end quote. One of my mentors, he always reminds me when I get flustered, he says, it is a privilege to preach the word of God. (laughs) No matter what you're going through, remember that it's a privilege to preach the word of God. And that's all that matters. And why? God only works through his word. God only works preaching and teaching God's word in the power of the Holy Spirit is the primary means by which he calls people to faith in Christ. The Holy Spirit uses the word of God and in, in those who are believers. He uses the word to help them grow spiritually. It is the ministry of the word of God that inflames worship. Steve Lawson said this. He said, quote, I strongly believe that no church can rise any higher than his pulpit. As the pulpit goes, so goes the church. He says the deeper the preacher takes his flock into the word of God, the higher they will rise in worship, end quote. And we're talking about Old Testament, New Testament. And because of this, leaders, pastors must not preach to entertain or to appease the people. They must not preach their pet teachings or to promote their own agenda. We must proclaim God's word alone for the glory of God alone. So these are. This is what we're talking about. And this is what the author is talking about when he says, remember your leaders. They are men. Godly men who speak the word. They have spoken the word to these believers. And he not only tells them, he not only tells them to, you know, to to remember uh, the leaders who spoke the word. Look at the middle of verse number seven. He says, consider the outcome of their way of life. Consider Consider how they live their lives. Consider the end of their lives. Spiritual leaders' lives are on display before the congregation. Consider the outcome, or as the NASB puts it, consider the result. And, and this is the motivation that, that, that the, the author gives for these for these these believers to remain steadfast is that uh, is that not only does he point them to Jesus Christ not only does he point them to the old testament saints he point them to their leaders and it, this is motivation he says to look back in time and consider your former leaders who were faithful to the word of god to to that they're to look back and to carefully examine how these leaders uh, persevered in the faith of Jesus Christ. And no doubt, we know that these believers are being persecuted. And we know that if these believers are being persecuted, their leaders were being persecuted. They were just, we know of the Apostle Paul, everywhere he went as he uh, made, he was preaching the gospel and making disciples everywhere he went. He was oppressed and harassed and persecuted by the Jews. And, and, and no doubt this is true for these, these leaders of, uh, of this congregation, the past leaders, past leaders, those who I believe have passed and gone on. They, they probably in preaching and teaching of the word, being faithful to proclaim and speak the word in the church, they probably were persecuted. And had difficult circumstances that they had to endure. And yet, they endured and lived by faith in Jesus Christ until the very end. Until the very end. And we notice, look at what these readers are to 
do. They are to consider, right? Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word to you, consider the outcome of their way of life. And at the end of verse seven, and imitate their faith. The word imitate here means to mimic, follow, or emulate. Pastors are to be examples to follow in life. Notice, notice here, this is important. Notice that the object of their imitation is to be their faith. Notice that. They're to imitate their faith. Not the men themselves. Not their personalities. Many today look to the man. They, they look to the man. They, 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 they look to, in a sense, there's a, 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 a celebrity sense in which people look at leaders in the church today. They see them as celebrities. The writer of Hebrews says, you consider the way they lived their lives, consider how they relied upon Christ until the very end and imitate their faith. Make much of their faith. Richard Phillips said this, he observed, quote, the writer's confidence is not in men of God, it is in the God of men, end quote. Imitate their faith. Their faith says something about the, what they, uh, says something about God. It says something about Christ. Imitate their faith. And this was Paul's aim. Paul's aim he, he, he aimed to teach believers the word of God and he urged them to imitate his life as he followed Christ. Turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. Paul saw himself as a, as a, as a, as a slave of Jesus Christ. He wasn't his own man. Verse 17. And so he could say, Philippians 3.17, he says, brothers, talking to the Philippian believers, join in imitating me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Turn. To first Peter. First Peter. Chapter five. First Peter, chapter five, starting at verse one. Peter writes here, he says, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God. Speaking to elders, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion. You don't do it because somebody is making you do it. He says, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, notice, but examples to the flock. Elders, leaders are to be examples like the Apostle Paul and those who who served alongside the Apostle Paul. Turn, turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 16. 
Here again, Paul writes, I urge you, then be imitators of me. That is why I sent to you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways. And notice the sphere. My ways in Christ. As I teach them everywhere in every church. This is what Paul did. This is how Paul characterized his life as one who was in Christ, who was following Christ. And he, he says, as I teach them everywhere in every church. First Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says, first Corinthians chapter 11, verse 11, uh, verse one, he said, be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ. You're to imitate godly men to the degree that they follow Christ. That that's that that is that is you follow them to the degree that they follow Jesus Christ. You you see in and 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 as and, and the importance of this, the the you see in the lives of of, of those who 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 follow Christ, uh, who 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 seek to emulate uh, the Apostle Paul and godly men like John Calvin and John Owen, and 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 all the 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 the, the Puritans. You you see in the lives of such men what God can do through the Holy Spirit. He what God can do in the life through the Holy Spirit of a person who relies upon Christ and the promises of God. That's, that's what you see. That's why it's important to follow one who imitates Christ because in their lives, you see the work of God. You see the work of the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and I have to say, no church leader is perfect. But they can be encouraging examples to you. They're not... They're not perfect. We're not perfect. So don't look and say, oh, and you get some people like that. They look and they're, they're just waiting for you to slip up. And they're waiting for you to, you know, just just for the little minor things. They're, they're looking. No, no leader is perfect. God didn't put them in the church to be perfect. He put them to be there to be examples of of what it looks like to rely upon the Holy Spirit, to rely upon the Holy Spirit and to to live faithfully to Jesus Christ, not only in life, but in ministry. Leaders are flawed. They're they're imperfect. But, But the spiritual character of their life over a lifetime the writer says, imitate their faith, those who have. Li-. So he's saying, look back and look at th- th- their whole life, the example of their whole life. And, and look at how God kept them, how they're trusting and hold on uh, their confidence in Jesus Christ, how they held to the very end. How they lived for Christ how they demonstrated the love of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ himself was incarnate. Jesus Christ came from heaven, came to earth to live among men and women. And he demonstrated. He didn't just teach God's word. He demonstrated what he taught while he was living out his life here on this earth. And the ultimate demonstration of God's love was on the cross. And so imitating the faith of godly leaders, it's important. It's important because one of the things it reveals about the Christian life, that the Christian life is not passive. You don't just sit around and watch your pastors. You're to imitate. You're to to 
there's this idea where you you know many people live the christian life they just let go and let god you know that's this, they got this type of living let go and god is going to do everything Mm-mm. The, the this leader said the, the the writer hebrew says imitate their faith this is action this is a call to action because the gospel, being saved by the gospel does not negate your responsibility to live for Christ. Even though you've been saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ, that salvation does not negate your living the Christian life. Imitating a desire to imitate the faith of, 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 of leaders. It reveals that the the congregation, when you see this in the congregation, it reveals that the congregation has had is growing in maturity and and their desire is to to live out the word of God. When I was in the military, one of the things that uh, one of the things that I look for as a leader uh, who who led soldiers, one of the things I look for was their taking what they were trained and and taught in training and and applying that to their life as a soldier and you'll know that uh, uh, uh i knew as a leader that a soldier was ready when he was taking the initiative and doing the things that he was trained and taught without being told they were they they we were we would be out in the field. You know, I was field artillery and we would set up the guns, the housers, and we would have nets over the houser and all kind of uh, things that go with occupying uh, a position. You know, you got all kind of things set up and there was there. There's the command that is given to to march order, which means take everything down pack it up and get ready to go. And one of the things my platoon sergeant used to do, he would say, he would call the leaders, he would call the chiefs and say, hey chiefs, come over to my Humvee. He just gave the order to march order, take everything down. And he tells the leaders, all right, while they're taking everything down, come over to my vehicle. Come over to where I'm at. We would go over there and his goal was to show us who who was paying attention to what they were trained and who was not. And you sit back, we would sit back and smoke like, look, look at your section, Son D. Oh, look at, look at such and such. They ain't doing nothing. They're standing around watching everybody else do the work. And that was, and you know what comes next. Do some push-ups when I get back. That was, that was my thing. Do some push-ups. You know, you got to be applying. You got to be applying what you learn. And and this is this is true for the church as well. You're not to sit back and watch your pastors and 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 in a sense, wait for them. Take the initiative. You've been taught the word of God. You've been if you've been taught, take what you've been taught. Take what you see your leaders doing and imitate it. Imitate it. Take the initiative. Why? Because Christ ain't changed. The same Christ, the same Jesus Christ that saved them, that enabled them to live the Christian life is the same Christ who saved you and enabled you, giving you a gift from the Holy Spirit, giving you a desire, new desires to serve God, to love God, new desires to serve others and to love others. Christ ain't changed. He has not changed. This is what the writer says in verse 8. Look back at Hebrews. Chapter 13. Verse eight. He says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today 
and forever. Christ is unchanging. He's unchanged. He will he'll never change. And so the writer's confidence, his confidence is not in the men, the leaders themselves. His confidence is in the unchanging Christ. The message and of their ministry and the goal of their ministry was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who was the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus. Being God himself would never change. His incarnation would never change. His suffering and his atoning death on our behalf would never change. His eternal salvation would never change. His being our great high priest, and this is what the writer has Laid out, he's our great high priest and he's the mediator of the new covenant. Will not change. His resurrection, the fact that he was raised from the dead will not change. The fact that he ascended will not change. The fact that he is seated at the right hand of the father has not changed. His grace and mercy given to us through, through his work on the cross has not changed. His calling to you in salvation has not changed. And for those who reject him, his judgment, the judgment that you will face if you reject his gospel has not changed. We can trust his promises. We can trust his, he has all authority. We can trust that he has the power to save and sustain. If you save, if you're saved by his grace through faith, you are part of his unshakable kingdom forever. You, he, he will never change his mind about saving you from your sins. He will never change his mind about calling you his brothers and sisters. He will never change. About granting you a place in, in glory where you will rule and reign with him forever. He will not change. And if he won't change, his teachings won't change. Cling to the unchanging truth of the unchanging Christ as taught to you by your faithful leaders. Cling to him. The truth of the gospel will never change. Jesus will never change. Jesus said in John 14 and 6, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That doctrine hasn't changed. Acts 4 and 12, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That ain't changed. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23, he says, but we preach Christ crucified. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, he said, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, Paul says, be, uh, but, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of, of the Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Christ is unchanging. And the truth that we have, that God has given, Old Testament, New Testament, has not changed. So trust Christ. Imitate the faith of those who follow and run after Christ. Listen to true preachers of the gospel who preach to you Christ and him crucified. Listen to them. Hear them. Put into practice, more importantly, what you hear. The word of God is powerful. 
It is powerful to save. It is powerful to sanctify. It is powerful to strengthen and enable you to persevere in the faith. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. The truth is the same. The truth about him and the promises in him is the same. And if you're in him, nothing will be able to separate you from the love of God. If if you're not saved, God's grace and mercy are available to you through the word of the unchanging gospel of Jesus Christ. That hadn't changed. The invitation is always open to you to come to Christ, to embrace him as the treasure of heaven and to submit your life to him as Lord and Savior. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the truth of your word that gives clarity to us on not only how we're to relate to you as holy God, it not only gives us instruction on how to live a life faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. Your word not only gives us instruction on how to love and serve one another, but it gives us instruction also on how we're to relate to those uh, leaders, spiritual leaders, godly men, godly men who have led the church in the past. Father, you have given them and set them up before us as examples to imitate their faith, to imitate their faith because their faith was in the unchanging Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your instruction here and your guidance given to us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.